Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 126 of the Flying Free Podcast. It has been nine years since I went to a local Barnes & Noble with my belly full of baby, my arms full of computer, and my heart full of despair, and sat down with a cup of coffee and began to Google terms like passive-aggressive husband, painful marriage, hitting a wall in my marriage for two decades, and that kind of thing. I had never heard the term emotional abuse before, and I certainly didn't believe I was being abused. Abuse was when your husband gave you black and blue eyes. I had a husband who took care of his family, played with his kids, and brought home the bacon. My husband was a faithful, church-going man who would give the shirt off his back to anyone who asked. Abuse? That never crossed my mind. I didn't find much that day other than a book about passive-aggressive men and a book called Who's Pushing Your Buttons by John Townsend and Henry Cloud, a book which describes emotional abuse without calling it that. But what happened that day was this. I woke up my reticular activating system in my brain, and I started noticing things I had never noticed before or things I had noticed but hadn't allowed myself to think about or focus on before. You see, my brain had been very invested in believing what it had been programmed to believe from the time I was a baby, and that is this, that love goes hand in hand with abusive behavior. Let me give you some examples. When someone criticized my hair or my makeup or my fingernails, that meant they loved me. When someone told me that I was going to grow up and live in a pigsty, that meant they loved me. When someone told me I could never do something or be something that I wanted to do or be, that meant they loved me. When someone controlled what I did and believed, that meant they loved me. When someone hit me if I didn't agree with them, that meant they loved me. After all, they told me they loved me all the time, and they were just looking out for my best interests. So when I got married and all the same things happened, it felt normal. Now, did I like it? No, I I hated it. I felt oppressed and depressed. But I thought it was because there was something fundamentally wrong with me. And I wanted to be loved and accepted. So I went along with it, hoping that eventually I would get the hang of being perfect for the other person. I would bend over backwards to give more than anyone else, to give more money more gifts, more of my time, more of my effort, more of my love, more of everything. If someone told me that the goal was here, I would make it my goal to go above and beyond that. I wouldn't settle for A's. I wanted the A++. I wanted there to be no doubt that I did everything I could and then some. I'll give you an example. Homeschooling. If being a great mom was important, then I was going to go above and beyond great mom. I was going to do it all. I was going to teach my kids, cook, clean, bake from scratch, pick the best curriculum, give my kids that Thomas Jefferson education, and raise not just decent kids, but great kids, like kids who are going to be leaders in the world. 
If prayer was important and effective, I would pray four times as much as anyone else I knew. I would be the prayer warrior, pacing my kitchen floor early in the morning before all my kids got up to eat their homemade granola and scrambled egg breakfast that I made for them after my hour-long devotion and prayer time. If carving out time for traveling to see in-laws or having other families from church over for dinners and picnics was important, then I was going to carve out three trips each summer to visit in-laws, and I was going to have other families over a minimum of once per month. You guys, these were just some of my regular goals. I was a high achiever, and that didn't change when I got married and had babies. (laughs) If, if having one baby was great, then having nine babies was going to be even better, right? You know, I never did get the approval of the ones I loved. According to my husband, I would always be selfish and self-serving. I was to this and to that and to the other thing. Nothing I did made a dent. Honestly, I hated myself. I judged myself. And you know what? I judged other people around me because I was exhausted and doing all of the things and getting nothing in return and everyone else was being perfectly happy, you know, being a lazy butt, right? My kids weren't turning out any different than theirs. In fact, some of their kids seemed to be turning out much better. Not fair. The formulas were not working in my favor. Again, it couldn't be the formulas were wrong. It had to be me. What was wrong with me? You guys, I did not have my own back. I did not love and accept me just the way I was. I was really just trying to prove to myself that I was worthy of living a life here on planet Earth, and I thought that was the way to do it. I was jealous that others didn't have to try so hard, and it seemed like God loved them just fine the way they were, but me? I was a special snowflake that needed to glow in order for God to love me. But really, that was just my pride. I had to glow in order for me to love me. I didn't know a secret that I'm going to tell you right now. You don't glow by trying to glow. You glow naturally when you are all in on exactly who God made you to be, and that includes all your warts too. It includes your dark side and your lovely side. And once you totally accept all of yourself, you discover that you also accept all of other people as well. Now, that doesn't mean that you're best buds with everyone. Actually, you'll get much better at, at healthy boundaries once you love and accept who God created you to be, because you'll protect that precious creation. You won't throw it under the bus all the time. What it means is that you'll lose the judgment of others when they think or do things differently from you. So you may not spend time with them, but you definitely lose your judgment of them. You can always tell who hates on themselves by reading people's reactions on Facebook. I know I've said this before, but self-haters throw up all over anyone who doesn't believe what they believe. You see, to love themselves, they have to be in the right. And if others don't see eye to eye with them, they feel threatened. People who are secure in Christ and in who God made them to be are the ones who are also curious and open and kind and accepting of the differences of others. When others have a different opinion, they aren't threatened by that at all. They understand that everyone's in a different place and has a different perspective. And honestly, they trust in a bigger God who can handle all of those differences. 
When I throw up on other people, I communicate that I actually have a pretty small, petty God who's wringing his hands in frustration over the billions of folks who don't agree with me, and I am his personal representative. You see how ugly this is and how unlike Jesus this actually is? So that was a really long introduction, of which I am famous for, to what I want to share with you today. I want to tell you what I'd do differently if I had the chance to go back in time nine years and do it all again. If I could go back as the person that I have evolved to be, which by far is not perfect, but I am evolving, who is now fully accepting of me and fully fully accepting of others just as they are, what would I do differently? I'm going to break this into two episodes. In this first episode, I want to talk about what I do differently in my former marriage. And in the next episode, I want to get into a little bit about what I do differently in my former church. And I hope this gets your own brain's reticular activating system revved up so that you can begin to notice and gain some self-awareness around why you believe what you believe, why you feel the way you do, and what kinds of actions you take on a regular basis that keep giving you the same results. Self-awareness is the first step to changing up the game of life. So here we go. Nine years ago, when I first started learning about emotional abuse and destructive patterns of behavior, I did three things with that information. Number one, I tried to force my husband to change so that we could stay married. Number two, I continued to submit to him while simultaneously trying to evolve myself. This is an impossible task since submitting to him would make evolving impossible. He didn't want me to evolve unless it meant more perks for him, which it actually would have, but not the perks he knew and cared about. And number three, I asked for the support and help and validation of others, thinking that I needed their permission to live my adult life. So let me tell you a little more about each one of these things and what I would do differently now. So first of all, I tried to force my husband to change so we could stay married. Now, I had 20 years of journals to look back on and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there was something malignant about our relationship. There's an episode, um, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but I'll stick it in the show notes, where I actually go into some of my journal entries so that you can get a glimpse of the kinds of things I was writing about and the things that I was believing Now, I had known that our relationship was problematic even before we tied the knot. I just didn't want to look too closely at it because I had a ton of confidence that my love would change everything. And I trusted God to help me. This idea was so ingrained in my brain that even when I did finally get honest about the malignancy, I still thought I could save the day. All I had to do was communicate in the very best and most effective way possible, and the Holy Spirit would do the rest. My husband would have an epiphany, he would change, and we would go all over the world telling our story of redemption. That fit into my paradigm of how God changes the world, and I would be a catalyst for this change. Because while I loathed myself, I also thought I was amazeballs. Yeah, Those two things can and do coexist inside of all of us. So if you ever wonder who the hell you are, you're a human. There's nothing wrong with you. Welcome to the human race. You know what happened? Nothing. My husband didn't change. And all I did was continue to beat my head against a brick wall. Ouch. So what would I do differently? 
I would stop trying to control my husband. I would work on accepting him just the way he is. When he was abusive, I would say, hey, that was abuse, and that's what he does. He's just being consistent. He gets to make his own choices for how he lives his life, and this is how he lives his life. But you see, I didn't want to accept reality. I wanted to create my own, a reality that made sense and was more comfortable for my brain. My reality was actually not comfortable, and it didn't make sense, because I'm sorry, but a man who says I love you while gaslighting you or controlling you or criticizing your most precious efforts of love is pretty Alice in Wonderland type of cray-cray, if you ask my opinion. But if I had to do it all over again, I would work really hard on rewiring my brain to acknowledge and accept reality. This is why I started flying the Flying Free Sisterhood, because I want to help other people do what I did not do. This is who he is. I am married to that guy. And he gets to stay that way if he wants to. And after 20 years of asking for change and never getting it, I can pretty much assume that he's made it crystal clear that he does indeed want to stay that way. What would have changed about our story if I had accepted this reality? Well, I would have been forced to make a decision about what I could do in that reality. Not what I could do if I could change that reality, but what I could do within that reality the reality that I actually had to work with, okay? Which brings me to the second thing I did that I would change now if I could go back. Number two, I continued to submit to him while I simultaneously tried to evolve myself. But here's the thing. You can't evolve yourself if you aren't actually being yourself in the first place. If you are giving up responsibility for your life and allowing someone else to run it, you're not gonna be able to change anything. I thought I could have both. I could keep my husband and my marriage, accepting that they were both dysfunctional and creating all kinds of spiritual, emotional, and physical consequences in my life, and yet still continue to grow and evolve as a person. And I do think that you can grow to a certain point. Well, I, I don't just think that. I know that you absolutely can, all right? But when I look back, I see that I was like a caterpillar who wanted to turn into a butterfly, but there was this heavy blanket over me, preventing me from climbing the stick to spin my cocoon and begin that metamorphosis process. And I would have had to decide to accept the blanket. Um, I would have, well, I would have had to make either, either decide to accept that blanket and remain under it or wiggle out from underneath and find my stick to climb. Those are my two choices. And if I had to do it all over again, I would have chosen to wiggle out a lot sooner. But as it was, I still spent a long time, years actually, continuing to think that I could get the blanket to lift off of me and provide more of a protective shelter from the elements rather than continue to be a stifling heavy weight that kept me from being what God wanted me to be. The reality was that blanket wasn't going anywhere. Again, we can't change another person. We're not supposed to. That's actually abusive to try to control and change another person. We're wasting our emotional energy trying to do that when we could better use all of that amazing energy to change our own life. But you guys, I stayed under that blanket for four more years before I finally wiggled out and climbed that stick and filed for divorce. The caterpillar that was me at that point finally turned into a pile of goo within my little chrysalis. 
I was completely undone. But that is the only way to become a butterfly. And I didn't know much at that point, but by then, I knew that much. And although it took me four years of soul searching and tremendous fear of the future, I did eventually make that choice, and I am so glad I did. If you're a woman of faith in a confusing and painful marriage who feels like you're just a shadow of the woman you could be, I'd like to help you change that. Five years ago, I developed a comprehensive program that has helped hundreds of Christian women wake up to their reality and live powerfully within it as the adult women God created them to be. The Flying Free program uses transformational coaching, workshops, classes, and a close-knit community of women to support you on your journey. We will help you identify the problems and figure out what you can and can't do so that you can be empowered to move forward into the life you were meant to live. Imagine a deep dish apple pie with caramel, walnuts, and vanilla ice cream on top. Members have said that this podcast is like a little taste of the vanilla ice cream, but the Flying Free program is the whole delicious slice of pie in all its glory. You'll never know what you're missing until you can bite into the whole thing. You can get all the details, including reviews, facts, and everything that comes with the program by going to joinflyingfree.com. I'll see you on the inside. The third thing I did back then is that I asked for the support and help and validation of others. I not only asked for their support, help, and validation, but I kind of expected it. And I believed I needed it to to give me permission to live my life. See, I had been raised in a home where I was not encouraged to make my own decisions. And when I did, which I did, I was criticized for it. And when I made a decision that resulted in a failure of some type or a mistake, I was berated for it. So this created a lot of fear and unnecessary caution about making decisions. Um, Plus, in the patriarchal movement that I was part of, a woman wasn't capable of making wise decisions anyway. God didn't create women that way, I was told, and he created men to rule over women because men were naturally wise leaders. And if women tried to rule over men, they were just um, being rebellious and um, anti-God. So, It was really bizarre for me because neither my dad nor my husband were leaders at all in their personality. They weren't wired that way. They weren't leaders in their motivations or their desires. And I, on the other hand, was a born leader. It was extremely confusing to me. And one of the many things about that patriarchal culture that didn't make any sense, but I blindly accepted it. I dealt with the cognitive dissonance because that was all my brain knew. And I was told that if I would try to learn about or think about anything else uh, or be open-minded to any other ideas, that would be heretical. I would dishonor God. And dishonoring God was something I was loath to do. I loved God. I wanted nothing more than to bring Him glory. And I was not going to get, you know, I didn't want to stand in the way of that. So I had baked into my psyche this belief that I was incapable of making wise decisions for my own life. And therefore, I needed to rely on the objective, wise opinions of everybody else. The Holy Spirit would especially speak through husbands, pastors, or teachers, or small group leaders the best, and preferably men 
over women. So, of course, they were the ones that I sought permission, approval, and validation from. Like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, I know I've said this before, but I'll say it again, I searched high and low to find the wizard who knew the way back home, never realizing I wore the power on my own two feet, the power that had already been given to me in the Holy Spirit. In the fall of 2015, I decided to grow up. I made a conscious decision, like I literally stopped and went, you know what? I'm a freaking adult. I'm 49 years old. It's time for me to grow up and stop asking permission. I felt God's pleasure like I had never felt it before. I was beginning to come out of my cocoon. Now, when that happened, all of the people who were used to my coming to them for advice and help, they got a little bit upset. See, I, I, my theory is that they liked playing the role of God in the lives of other people. Maybe it made them feel less shame or more worthy. I, I don't know. But whatever their motivations, they were upset when I said, thank you for your help so far, but I think I'm going to um, just spend some time thinking about this on my own and make my own decisions from here on out with the help of God. I don't think they thought that God was going to talk to me directly. I think they thought that God only talked to them. It's kind of fascinating, actually. But I was beginning to realize that that was just their story. They're just human beings like me. It wasn't necessarily a true story. They bought into it, but did I want to buy into that story? Or did I want to buy into the story that God told in his word? That there was no mediator between me and God other than Jesus Christ, and that I had the Holy Spirit living inside of me just like they did, and that the New Testament tells us in several places that God freely gives us His wisdom in Christ. So what I would do differently now is I wouldn't ask for permission anymore. I wouldn't ask for everyone's opinions. What do you think about this? Do you think this is okay? I would have just been my adult self and made my own decisions, and lived before God and not men and patriarchal women. I know, I know, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, in the presence of many counselors, there is wisdom. But living your life and ultimately taking responsibility for that life does not negate the good that good, you know, piece of good advice. You know, the Bible also gives examples of wicked counselors who give bad advice, and God's people have to go against that bad advice. So, we have to be careful not to pull a random verse out here and there and then create an entire existence from it. I don't I don't think that's wisdom. I think that's dogmatic foolishness. Okay, so that's all I have for you today. I'm going to come back next time and talk more about what I would do differently in the church that I went to at the time, or even in the churches that I, the two churches prior to that one. And um, I'm excited to share with you a little bit more about my story there. In the meantime, though, if you are benefiting from this podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. I know I say this, I've said this before, but we actually really, really love reading those rating and reviews. And we also put them, we put reviews on um, every blog page that has show notes for this podcast. And other people like reading them too. That's how people know that this podcast is worth listening to. So if you think this podcast is totally worthless, don't go over there and leave a rating and review. But And why did you even listen to it all the way to the end if it's worthless? Maybe it's just morbid fascination. I don't know. But if you've listened all the way to the end, it's probably because you enjoyed it and you got something out of it. So say so. 
let other people know what you got out. I want to know what you personally got out of it. How has this helped you in your life? I love reading specifics. So go over there and do that. I would be so grateful. I am really grateful for all of you guys who keep listening. It's so much fun to do this. I love it. I love you. And I'm excited about all that God is doing in our lives. I believe that he is setting his daughters free. And we're all part of that beautiful story. That's it for today. Until next time, fly free.